Good afternoon and welcome back for the second tea time of this week on this beautiful Thursday. And this afternoon, I am joined with Linda Faye Schmidt, I think, Schmidt. I'm sure she'll get me to say it right when she comes out on. She's in the studio waiting in the background. So let's get the disclaimer going and let's get a quick little intro in her bio. And then let's spill some good old TEA and let's talk about some special, special education and her new book release that came out on April 23rd. That's right. We're going to talk about a new book release so you can grab your copies. So let's get started here with the disclaimer. Disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live Show. Miss Liz, Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith however may bring forward dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussion for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Ms. Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show in any aspect, I myself, Ms. Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect your wishes and will see you at a later show at a later date and time. And again, all tea times this year in 2023 are done on a Thursday. And if it's done on a different day, it's a rescheduled tea time. So now let me introduce a little bit of Linda and then I'm going to get Linda in here and she's going to spill away and we're going to serve a good cup of strong tea with you all. Linda Faye Faye Smith believes that creating in her life purpose, whether it's building meaningful relationships, writing poems, blogs, or stories, or preparing culinary creations, she loves to be fully engaged in the process. 
Linda writes emotionally impacting character-driven stories based on real-life experiences. Linda has been homing, honey, homing her craft since she began scribbling poetry in the back of her elementary school exercising books. I want to talk to her about that because I did that a lot too in school. She has a massive collection of journals, which are for her fundamental reflection and creative tools. Linda earns a Bachelor of Education majoring in reading and language at the University of Calgary. She has taught grade kindergarten to grade nine. So we have a teacher in the house. So anybody who has any questions on teaching, put them in the comments. She developed an interest in special needs education early in her career and enrolled in numerous workshops to develop her skills and gain experience in the field. As part of her lifelong interest in reading and writing, Linda has attended writing workshops, with a, was a member of the Win Writers Guild of Alberta, completed a creative writing course at Mount Royal College, and finished The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. In 2017, Linda started her blog, Musing of an Emotional Creator, where she writes about topics that inspire, impassion, and ignite her. She writes about everything from travel, life as an expat, relationship, and current events. Linda was a contribution for the DQ Living Magazine in Regal. I'm going to get her to tell me how to say that. Sub-Araria from July 2018 to June 2019. To get Linda's full bio, we're gonna get you to check out Miss Liz's Facebook page, LinkedIn and all of that goodies. And let's get Linda in here and let me sip on some tea. because my tongue is doing that tongue twisting stuff again. Welcome Linda. Hi. It is an Thanks honor to have you here. I also have some tea. Uh, my favorite tea I can't find here where I moved last August to Panama. And I'm going to show it to you. It's not for promotional purposes. <laughs> this is for information. This is my favorite tea on the planet right now. And I have to order it from Amazon to get it. And I just love it. And I'm sipping it in this absolutely gorgeous mug, which oh. is a piece of pottery my daughter made for me. That is gorgeous. So yummy, I'm going to have a sip right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what flavor of tea is that that you got? It's Madagascar Vanilla Rooibos. Oh, I haven't tried that one yet. That's you want to add it. You want to add it. <laughs> <laughs> Just the name, right? It takes you like on a little adventure. Takes you right in. Yes. So Linda, let's get into who Linda was as a little girl and who Linda is today. Oh my goodness, you're the first person that's asked that question. I love that. Um, well, as we were talking backstage, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of uh, awareness, self-reflection along the way. So they're very different. And at the same time, they're the same person. Because I do believe there is a core you that is unique. You are the only one made that way, just like snowflakes. And that carries with you through all of your experiences and it shades them through your own perspective and, and how you approach life. So my basic core self, I would describe same, that's the same as when I was a little girl. It's very joyful, very optimistic, creative. I have almost a scary level of imagination and that's handy when you're a writer 
not so handy when you're trying to get some sleep. And um, we like to adventure and explore the world um, and connecting with human beings and animals too and nature, just connecting with the life experience, being immersed in the present moment. It's easier to do when you're younger and you have less responsibilities. And I think as we get older and we take on a lot, whether it's family responsibility or career, uh, financial goals, we can lose sight of that ability to just be in the present moment, engage fully with all of our senses and uh, taking what we can and, and giving back what we can. But I think that's something that I um, have a bit of a natural tendency towards. And when I don't honor it, I don't do as well in my life. So I've come to realize it's important as exercise for me to just um, make space for it. So that's how we're the same. And then, as I said, how we're different. Oh, I was so naive and trusting of everybody back then. And I had to get burned a lot of times because I just have this undying uh, belief in human nature. And I want to believe the best in people. And it's, I've always had kind of had, it's not a healthy attitude, I don't think now, but this idea that through my love, I could make these hurt people behave better. And I, I finally came to a place of just realizing that that was their job to figure out and not mine. And that I could actually accomplish more and give more to the people that were bringing something to my life by making that good boundary, not hanging out with them and really focusing on my own self-care and the care of people who are supporting me. So that's how we're different. So Linda, writing at a, little, at a young age and writing as an adult, do you feel that the little girl sometimes comes out when you're writing? Oh yeah. She's the playful part. Um, she's the part that guides, like I said, that imagination and uh, the wonder, the curiosity um, but of course she needed a lot of education around the craft and how to use vocabulary in a way that is engaging and how to insert dialogue with your narration. And, and that comes through, uh, learning school learning, as well as I think practice is the best way to learn for me. So is that what got I've you written a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, is that what got you into the special education? Writing? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was a direct link. Um, so I always was interested in writing and I started writing, as you said, in my notebooks in elementary school, mostly poetry. And I did writing even while I was in university as a single mom. And uh, I maybe would have chosen a career like a journalist or, or something like that, but it didn't seem like a great fit for raising a little girl on your own with the uncertainty and uh, hours that aren't regular. And I, I didn't not enjoy teaching, don't get me wrong. I loved my career as a teacher. I wouldn't have stayed in it for 25 years if I didn't like it. So it was very fulfilling. But I started off thinking I was going to be teaching uh, English, teaching young children how to read, how to write, and that was my passion and still is. But along the way, um, I think because there's so much, uh, or even more so now today, integrating of, of children who have different um, 
learning uh, challenges, I'll say, I, I hadn't even known all the range of challenges that can occur in the human brain that impede learning. And so uh, they were in the classroom and I needed to figure out and I did not have the toolkit to figure out how to work with these kids. So I just started taking a lot of courses in my spare time to learn more. And just bit by bit, I started learning about ADHD. I started learning about FASD. And um, the more I learned, the more my passion grew of these marginalized people that sometimes don't get included and have a lot to contribute. And one of my really impacting experiences was early on when I'd started uh, into the special education field. I was at a, a fundraiser, a silent auction. This is mind blowing. And this little guy, I think he was seven or eight. He was in a wheelchair and he couldn't speak. He had to have support and he had one of those computers to, to say his voice. And he started speaking. And his IQ was like genius level, trapped in this body that didn't have muscles and the things that he was saying. And then to top it off, this little girl in the crowd who also had some really serious um, challenges, just started to try to clap, but <laughs> she was missing. But and her whole face was so lit up. She was listening and taking this in even though it might look from the outside that there wasn't that capability. And it just reinforced for me, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> right. I think we, yeah. we, we so often underestimate the power of these children, you know, and then when we see the magic yeah. come out of them, we're like, whoa, where did this come from? Uh, you know, exactly. I, I used to love working with the Down syndrome children because a lot of people were like, oh, they, they, they don't understand. Just put them in the corner. And I'd be like, there's something with them, their numbers. The, like I had one little guy who had to actually pass away because of his weight size. He was 11 and uh, he would just grab the Sears catalog and he would just go through the numbers like crazy. And if you took that catalog away from him, then he would get aggressive. He needed that catalog. It was like a calming source for him. And if you take the catalog mm. away from him, he would just get like out, outrageous. Like he would get like outburst and get angry, stomp his feet. And, and they're strong. Like they, they, they have this, the strength behind them. So do you mm -hmm. have a story of one of your students that really impacted your life? Oh, so many. It'd be hard to choose. Like with the little guys, there was one in particular that's that I was teaching in kindergarten at that time. And he was just such a gentle soul. And he was someone who uh, had a lot of seizures, like many a day. And so it had really slowed his development. But he just, I don't know, we made a connection. And I would say really on a daily basis, there would be an exchange that wasn't verbal and that wasn't even physical, like you're saying, this this boy who had a book, we just had some kind of exchange of almost just energy where he would just smile like we'd shared a secret. And I would know, even though I couldn't really put it into words, what just transpired. And then uh, 
both of us would just kind of carry on what we were doing, but with this special secret we shared together. And I really enjoyed, oh, I could just go on and on of all those different stories. But then I would say um, later on, I changed into working with teens who had emotional and behavior difficulties, um, as well as a lot of learning challenges. And I created a lot of close relationships with those girls, but the the most uh, impacting time for me was when the school recognized me making this connection with these young girls and they were feeling witnessed and seen and capable. And the principal asked me to start a class just for girls where they could really kind of focus on gender related issues that unfortunately do come up, even if you uh, don't want to have stereotypes around it. That's, that's the nature of it. So they were free to not feel uh, nervous about what boys thought because it was an all girls class. And, oh, we had a hoot and we would sit and watch on the big, we, we had one of those um, PowerPoint on the screens, very expensive technology. And we would watch <laughs> Eve Ensler, you know, I am woman and, and they would be just so proud of it instead of embarrassed or instead of sexualizing themselves, they started being like, that's right. <laughs> I'm a girl and I love it. You know, and I just, oh, they were so fun. And they oh, they kept me on my toes and they had developed a lot of coping skills that weren't exactly appropriate uh, and really challenging for me as a teacher. But again, it it just opened my eyes and brought me so much love and compassion and empathy for these girls. And I just wanted to <laughs> take them all home with me, you know, and just love them up. So it was a really, really positive experience for me. I'm really glad I, I chose it. Well, and, and the reason that I asked that question was because I wanted to have the viewers and the audience listen on how impactful the students are on teachers. You know, we don't often talk about the stories that the children bring to the teachers and how they change your lives and, you know, make you look at the bigger things you know, because of that little moment, you'll look back 20 years later and say, oh, I remember my student in kindergarten, you know. Um, the teachers have amazing stories out there and they have amazing students that have impacted their lives as well. You know, it's not just a nine to five job. It's actually a job that does change <laughs> lives. <laughs> it is not nine to five, even without the life changing. That's a misconception. <laughs> right. We need to say thank you to all the teachers out there because teachers really do a lot for our students, you know, and our children at home. So, Linda, I want to get into we we have uh, little Ruby in here, so she's giving a shout out. She was a tea time uh -huh. guest, and little Ruby treats is also who's taking care of Miss Liz's website, so you'll be able to check all of that good stuff out. So, thank you for that, uh, little Ruby. And thank you for showing up. I, I really appreciate when all the Tea Time guests pop in and support other Tea Time guests. So, Linda, I want to get into now your books because you have some really incredible books. And they're gorgeous. The covers are gorgeous. Thank you. So what year did you start writing your first book and how long did it take you to write it? So it's interesting. I started, I had the idea for my first book back in 2011 when I first left my dysfunctional relationship and started out on my own 
my kids were grown. And for the first time in my life, I was living my life for me. And I did the uh, Artist's Way course by Julia Cameron, which is a textbook course on discovering your creativity. And it's a 12-week course, and you write your morning pages every morning. And you go on these artist dates, and you just learn a lot of different aspects about yourself as a creator. And during that time, I had an inspiration about writing the awareness that I was learning in that moment. And I jotted down about five pages in one of my journals. But then not long after that, <laughs> I met the man who is now my second husband and uh, we've been married for nine years. And I fell so head over heels and I had sworn <laughs> marriage is stupid. That's never going to happen. Oh my God, Linda Russo on the same page. I was, I, I'm like that today. People mentioned the word marriage. I'm like, ah, no, I'm out of here. Like, goodbye. <laughs> and that's true. If you're battling a, a fit that is not compatible, it can be a really negative thing. But if you hang in there and wait, not for any other reason, except that that's your, I call him my Nova's art partner. Anyways, he showed up not long after I started this journey and I, and I was resisting because it was like, hey, I said I wasn't going to do this. But long story short, my writing got kind of left by the side as I went on this whirlwind romance. And then we ended up in moving to Saudi Arabia because of a job opportunity with his career. And um, I was unable to teach there for various different reasons. And so I thought, hey, I'm going to pick up this writing that I have always had a passion for. And I started with my blog and then I started writing the, the magazine articles that you mentioned, which kind of came, uh, the opportunity came through someone reading my blogs. And then I just stumbled. I was literally going through journals because I have so many, like literally hundreds. And I was like, oh, this story I wanted to write. So I had the time and I just started writing it. And it probably took me two years to get the manuscript out. And when I finished it, uh, <laughs> I had just finished literally the day before. And I was on the shopping bus in Saudi Arabia. And one of my friends, well, what have you been up to? Oh, I just finished writing uh, my first book. And she was like, oh, cool. When are you going to publish it? And I said, no, if you can answer that, <laughs> that's a million dollar question. <laughs> I don't know. And so she casually says to me, oh, you know, I think I have a family, a friend of the family that's maybe in publishing. Let me see. And she sends me the contact information for my publisher, Anne O'Connell at OC Publishing, the next day. And I checked out her website. I thought, oh, I feel all this serendipity. I really see the integrity of this woman. And I'm going to give it a chance. Sent her a query, later, query letter, and she loved it. So then it took us working together mentoring and moving into editing another little more than a year so all told about three years for the first one and then the next book went a little bit quicker because i had gone through the process also i would say uh you know just having gone writing spending time writing at my desk every single day i i developed more of a skill that way and got into such a groove. I never had the writer's block anymore because the vessel was always open and never closed all the way. So the second book didn't take as long. 
And then the third book was a journal and it definitely didn't take as much time because there's not the same level of creativity and there's only a prompt per page. So it's shorter content. And then my last book that just was launched. And it Sunday. is gorgeous. <laughs> so, and about a year as well to write and a year to get ready. So Linda, how did you get the cover for the last one? Because the last book is gorgeous. I'm so thrilled with the covers of all my books. And that's not every author's story. So I recognize how fortunate I am. But this is extra special because um, early days when I started writing this novel, I knew that my, my novels are very driven by the characters. And so my character, Isabella Ricci, is an artist. And I wanted to have that brought into the book somehow in a very real way. And I had this inspiration and I reached out to a friend of mine who is an artist. Uh, she lives in the UK now, but originally I met her living in Saudi Arabia. And I said, hey, Ria, her name is Ria Carnell. How would you feel about collaborating with me to make a sketchbook journal entry for each chapter of my book I'm writing? And she was <laughs> so in there right away of, I'd love to. Because she really feels like adult books um, are limiting with art. And she feels like there's a real place for that, for adults and not just children. And so we did it. And now I'm finding out, I just found out today that apparently this is some new trend. But <laughs> that blows me away because I'm usually like 10 years behind the trend and thinking it's new. And everyone's like, actually, it's going out already. But this book is, um, there is chapter art at the beginning of each chapter that is representative of my character's sketchbook journal. So that's chapter one. And they're pencil drawings, but they're just absolutely stunning. I think she's so talented. And I mean, she she shows her art in uh, oh wow the art world. So wow. Isn't that great? Gorgeous. So, so we're getting an yeah. inside scoop. So grab grab your copies like that is yeah. nice. We don't see pencil drawings anymore either, right? We see like all the colors and uh, and digital it's art true. and stuff like that. So that's really different. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're bringing that back, you know? And who cares about the new trends? You know, bring back some of those old trends because <laughs> they work good. <laughs> Do what works for you. If, if it looks out your trend, great. But yeah, I'm never going to write to uh, a trend or to a market or that's not my style. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to do, but it's important that you follow your own drum. And mine says, listen to me, not out there. Yeah. And, that and that's what we were saying in the back, back of the studio before we went live is that, you know, we all have our ways of doing things, you know, when some things are just not my cup of tea and I'm not going to do it. What do you tell me to do it? And what are, that's going to help me grow. Now I, something in me is telling me it's not for me, you know, and, yeah. and I think we should be able to debate stuff, right? Because we were talking about that in the background too, back in the studio, you know, debating. We don't do that anymore. We don't debate. We just follow, right? Follow the leader. Let's just go, you know? There's one certain strand that's being um, accepted and then the others aren't. And I think it's unfortunate because I do think our freedom is one of our most treasured gifts as human beings. And if we start chipping at that, um, I think it's a really dangerous thing to our whole sense of, of um, serenity 
as humans, you know, as to your uniqueness. You have to be respectful. You can't aggress against other people with your with your choice, but you can choose to live and not live, to agree and disagree and live harmoniously. But some people get so tunnel visioned with their view, they can't open it and see another way of looking at things. And that's where travel has been such a blessing for me to really be immersed in living a different culture and seeing, oh, there's a lot different way of doing this thing called life. And there's things I agree about it and things that I don't, and it's all learning. Well, I think it's a good time to ask you, Linda, if I ask you what your tea is, what three words would you give me? <laughs> okay, well, the tea, because I was a teacher, that pops in right away. And then I, I'm a storyteller, so if you kind of take the telling part and the teaching part and put them together as a double T, we'll knock it out of the park with a big, strong double. <laughs> double T, T. We're serving double, strong tea. <laughs> yeah. You might need a splash of milk with this tea. <laughs> so I think that... Uh, um yeah i really enjoy that having that voice um and encouraging other people and listening to their stories and um you know i weave in other people's stories through my characters and it doesn't matter that it has the name attached to it or not it's important just to get out what their belief is or what their experience has been so that people can realize that there's so many things that you can't understand when you haven't walked through their shoe, but you can get a glimpse if you read about it and if they tell you their story. And uh, it just feels like a really beautiful way to uh, do what I feel like I'm here for, it's to share stories. Well, you might have just started something, a new trend, right? The double T's, teach, teachers telling, teachers telling stories, you know? You just never know, Linda. Like, you know, that's how we open up a door, right? Is we open up different. And that so you gave me teachers and telling for t so what are you giving me for e and a so e without any question has to be emotions uh, my blog is called musings of an emotional creature and anyone who knows me refers to things like oh she's the emotional glue of the family oh her she wears her emotions on her sleeve or her shoulders or whatever Oh, you can tell how Linda's feeling three seconds into the conversation because her emotion colors her language. I've been told I'm too sensitive, um, but now I just embrace, if you can throw another E in there, double E, yeah. uh, I embrace my emotions <laughs> because they're mine. And um, I think I do it in a respectful way and I take ownership and responsibility for my thoughts and my feelings. But... When I keep them inside, especially the hard ones, they just erode at my well-being. And when I express them and let them go uh, into the universe, the freedom that I feel, the lightness, it's such a gift. And in conversations with people that I trust and on platforms that are uh, particular for that, where I know that there's a, a level of professionalism, it's a great way to just unpack some of that and be heard and hear them and that sharing it, it binds us together as human beings 
And then the A, um, another thing that I'm really passionate about is the authenticity. Um, yeah. So being authentic. And, and so first of all, you have to figure out who that is. And that requires taking time out of your life to be still and to listen to yourself. She will talk to you if you give her space. Open your heart, open your mind, and just be still. We have so much noise pollution in our lives these days, and technology is beautiful. I wouldn't have met you and be enjoying this conversation without technology, so I'm not saying throw technology out, but you need to create some moments in your day for just solitude and quiet so you can go inward, and there's a lot of answers in there. And then you find your authentic self, and then you figure out, okay, how do I express her in a way that is honoring myself and others? How do I express her in a way that fulfills my purpose of why I'm here? And, you know, there's going to be bumps along that road. You're going to get thrown a curveball, and, well, I was wrong about that. And it's okay to just admit, yeah, I wasn't right nailing it there, but that's okay. I'm not going to berate myself and criticize myself. I'm just going to dust off my shoes and keep on and, and find a new path until I figure it out. And uh, I think living the life that you were made to live, regardless of what other people, as you were talking about before, I think that's a big uh, responsibility that you have as a human being because why else were you here? They can live their life. That's their job. Yours is to live yours. And you really blew me away because I was like, okay, she's a teacher. I'm getting teach. I, I teacher. I knew I was getting emotions. Teachers have emotions, you know, as you're sharing Linda, I, I can feel the emotions and I can, and then you said the emotions, the color of language, you know, we don't really look at colors as descripting and describing ourselves as well. Right. And that's why I asked this question to all my guests. And I'm going to come with your with your color because your color, I could not find it because I usually wear the color that the guests give me to respect my guests. And Linda, oh. when I asked you your favorite color, what color did you give me? Well, I said it was not just a color. It is a very specific color. It is the blue of my husband's eyes. That exact shade of blue. And I'm like, okay, what shade of blue is that? Because there's so many shades. I have blue eyes and my eyes change with my moods and my emotions. So the blue, the, the tint it goes blue and gray, blue and green. And sometimes it goes really dark blue. And some people are like, oh my God, Miss Liz, your eyes are really blue today. And I'm like, I don't know, it must be the emotion. So what type it is. of blue it changes. is this? And, and his are the same. But when we were first falling in love, so I'm someone... When someone is feeling a lot of emotion, and I, I can't do it on, on a screen, but if they're physically beside me, and it doesn't happen all the time, but I can often see their aura around them. And so his aura is the same color as his eyes. And so wherever, however he's feeling emotional, and of course he was emotional because he was also falling in love with me. And he was really vibrating at that time, a blue that I will describe as very intense and magnetic and yet soft it was pure and clear uh it wasn't like a dark navy blue or sapphire and it wasn't 
light, like baby blue, sky blue. It was somewhere in the middle there, but it was definitely blue, no silver, no green, just pure blue. And uh, I couldn't sleep sometimes. I mean, like your aura is keeping me up. <laughs> I'm falling in love, but I need sleep. <laughs> Yeah, because when I got and, that color, I was like, oh, okay, so what color do I wear for that? And I'm like, okay, well, I got blue. I'm, I'm going with I the blue eyes. I got blue eyes. I, yeah. I, I, I'm wearing, it's on me. <laughs> That's perfect. That's but perfect. I, and, and, and this is why I asked about question, uh, the colors, right? Because we, when you hear that, what's your favorite color? Oh, black, blue, green. But why is it your favorite color? So then we dig a little deeper, right? It's like a cup of tea. We dig deeper and we understand why do we want that flavor, like the flavor of tea that you're drinking today? You know, why are you drinking that flavor? So why are we serving our tea? Why do we serve these purpose? And like you had mentioned a few minutes ago, our purpose and our why is different than everyone else, right? The authenticity of being real and being emotional and being a teller you know, you're the storyteller, you write books, you know, and you're the teacher, you, you taught. So it's a strong cup of tea. It's Linda's tea. It doesn't mean to work for anybody else. It's Linda's tea. We are serving Linda's tea here today on Tea Time. So Linda, like, and you've been, and you've been promoting this Tea Time and you've been saying, I'm coming with a strong tea and she's here with a strong tea. So I really <laughs> want to thank you for that. Now your one word that you gave me to describe yourself as a person. Do you remember what you gave me? I think it was passionate. It was hard to choose one word. I love words so much. Uh, you know, I could probably write a thousand. So choosing one, but passion is a good choice if you have to go with one because it underlies a lot of the other ones. You know, I'm passionate about the other things. And, and I just, like I said, about being emotional, I feel everything so deeply. And um, I just care so much about life you know and as i said there's so many uh i'm so passionate about people learning to live in harmony about peace and about respecting one another i'm so passionate about equality for people and everyone having their voice and their right not taken from them to exist on this planet um, I feel like we have too many rules and laws that keep us from connecting and becoming our, our authentic self. Um, and, you know, rules have their place. I like to have a few as well. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel that uh, when people have space to become, they will fill it. And when they're boxed in, they will shrink to fill that. And so I just want to open the space for, for people to shine their light. Uh, I just feel like if everyone was supported to shine their light, the world would blow your socks off. Right? I feel yeah. the same way. If everyone started serving their authentic tea, be themselves, just serve it and spill it and make a mess, be you, you know, the light in the world would be a beautiful place. The colors, the it would be like those blue eyes that you described. Like it would be magical. It would be intense. It would, you know, magnetic. It would really open up 
I think, humanity. And that's what we're missing is people are so programmed and so socialized that they're losing who they are as individuals. You know, and we really need to just start serving a strong tea. And we have a comment here from Little Ruby's Treats, LL, a strong tea. Linda brings a double strong tea. And, and this is what we do is we serve strong tea in this house. And we don't serve a beverage. We serve the tea of life. And Linda's tea is really strong. It's in, in, it's in her story. It's in what she does. She's a teacher. You know, she's a writer. So she's telling you a story. You know, the words really do matter. The words really express who we are as individuals. Um, Linda, I want to get, we have a question here that came in. Uh, do you like eye contact? Do I like eye contact? Yes. yes, absolutely. Can you tell us why you like eye contact? That's a weird question, but okay, I'm going to go with it. Well, to me, your eye is your window to your soul. So if you are going to, first of all, seek that in someone and then also be open to receiving it from another, you're being vulnerable. You are opening yourself up to be seen. And so uh, I think it's important that we stop uh, looking away from a person and looking right at them and saying, with the way you look at them, I see you, you are seen, you are witnessed. Yeah. And I think it goes with a lot with your story and your story, you know, your life, seeing me for who I am. You know, you, you, you spoke about the emotions. A lot of people said you were emotional, but that's who you are. See me for who I am. I'm emotional, but I'm a beautiful person. You know, I, you know, uh, we really need to start looking at ourselves as this magical individual piece of glass and just look at the reflection of ourselves. You know, when we start looking and it's like the eyes, right? The eyes are like glass. When you look into the eyes, you actually see the vision and, and I, I feel a beautiful poem coming from you, Linda, or a book coming from this tea time because there's just so much opening and pouring. Uh, I want to get into the culinary uh, cre creations. So are you like into big special meals, like colors, flavors? How, how, <laughs> what do you do when you create a, one of your meals? Well, mm. Well, the passion comes in there and all that uh, feeling of things, like you said, the colors and the textures, very food to me is, is sensual and it's the food of life and it connects us. We gather over food and drink in ceremony and in families to celebrate. And um, so there's there's comfort foods from your childhood and then there's foods that bring out your uh surprise because oh i've never had that spice before and woo, someone get me a glass of water and there's just uh textures that you maybe enjoy and don't enjoy so i love experimenting with food but i'm actually fairly skilled in the kitchen and i can create a lot of different culinary dishes from all the way from you know, savory small bites and main courses and even desserts. And so, for example, in February, we had friends of ours come and visit us here in Panama. They'd been wanting to come to Panama anyways. And when we moved, it seemed like a good excuse. And 
Uh, we met them in Saudi Arabia, but they're from the UK. And as part of my gift to them of coming and staying with us in their home, on their last day, I made a farewell five-course meal with pairings. So I also enjoy wine. And um, so we had to start, I made uh, some grilled vegetables that were all beautiful, bright colors. I had eggplant and red peppers and mushrooms and onions and tomatoes all grilled with just some olive oil and some light seasoning, some Mediterranean sea salt and cracked pepper, and just let the vegetables kind of speak for themselves. And we had that with a sip of champagne. And then we had, I made from scratch, a roasted red pepper soup that had a little bit of punch, smoothed out with a bit of uh, cream in the middle and some crushed basil. And with that, we had a uh, white wine, um, can't remember. I think it was maybe a Sauvignon Blanc. And then we had the main course was a mixture of different choices barbecued on the grill that I served with a, a mushroom gravy and some scalp potatoes and some steamed asparagus with garlic and butter. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. And I uh, a glass too. of red I'm wine like, with that. Where's a virtual, slide me a plate. <laughs> yeah, right? So it was very well received. I really enjoyed it. I made uh, his favorite uh, dessert was creme brulee. So we had that. And uh, then some cheese and port to top it all off. Actually, I couldn't drink my port. I had enough by that point. <laughs> but uh, I just enjoyed it, spending all day in the kitchen, music going, chopping, smelling the fragrances of the food. I, I love cooking. If I'm having a, a hard day, that can be, besides journaling and yoga and some of the other things I do to cope with, with difficult times, cooking can be that way of channeling a little bit so so linda you did mention you're in panama so what do you love about panama oh my goodness where do i start so we got to travel so much with david's job in saudi arabia and one of our first trips in 2015 was to panama and we literally it's it's described many times in my writing but we were still in the plane looking out the window and we were like oh my gosh look at how beautiful this place is we could hardly wait to land it's got this really spectacular skyline uh city line with the skyscrapers right on the ocean some people call it little miami but it's it's a small country i think two million people all together or something it's or maybe a bit more but it's really small and um so lush you know it's tropical and the jungle and the ocean they just converge and driving up to where we were staying where we live now in coronado along the drive i was just like a fairy tale i just felt like is this really my life that i get this opportunity and the mountains uh, the fresh air it's not polluted and the people were so welcoming even though it is spanish community and my Spanish, even though I've been taking lessons for several years, is really uh, resisting. Uh, maybe I have a learning challenge there. I don't know. But uh, I'm starting up lessons again next week with a friend here who's from Colombia. 
And so, but I love the sound of the Spanish language and I love how it's a very emotive language. I probably should have been born speaking Spanish or met someone because when someone I met uh, through a service, he was installing our, our TV, said to me, in English, you are so um, restricting. You are so frugal with words, only this, this, and this. And in Spanish, if we can say it in a, three pages instead of one sentence, we will. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I get you. And so I just love that generosity of, and, and the passion and the way they, and the way they, you know, they just, and, but they're very down to earth. And of course I'm stereotyping, but for the most part, most people I've met, our security guard here on where we live, Alberto is a friend and he is smiling every day. He's always grateful just for the gift of being alive and it's sunny and warm and the birds are chirping and what else can you want, you know? And his family is more important to him than anything else. And uh, I don't know, I really resonate with those values. So I am so thrilled that we did the hard gig in Saudi Arabia for seven years and saved, worked really hard to make enough to, and we built our home. We put solar panels on our home. So it's really quite affordable to live here for us now. And I love it. So if anybody just, wants to go to Panama, she just gave them the go there. <laughs> so we have a question here that came in. Linda, do you have any plans of making a cookbook? I have considered it. I have thought about having a character who's a chef and including instead of art or journal, including the recipes at the front. So that is an idea that I, I have played with. I am actually writing I'm about 60,000 words into my fifth novel, which is a psychological drama where I'm really looking at mental health because that's another passion of mine, the stigma around mental illness. And so that's what I'm working on, but it could be a later project that I think would be a little lighter and fun. And I would enjoy um, maybe a break from all the hard things that I'm researching and working on right now. Um, and at one time, actually, my oldest daughter and I were playing around with the idea of doing a, a cookbook before I started my writing career, but that was just before I moved and we never, it never did pan out. So, but I think it would be a fun thing. And you know what? I just finished watching a really good movie, or actually it was a, a Netflix series called From Scratch. If you haven't seen it, or if, I don't know if you watch shows, but it's so good. It's tearjerker all the way. And real life seeming, but there's a chef and food is a big part of it and uh, really well done. I think it's um, Reese Witherspoon's productions. And I feel like a lot of the stuff she's put out has been really, I loved Little Fires Everywhere. And uh, anyway, I digress, but uh Yes, to answer the question, I could see that absolutely coming. And my goal is to write a book a year as long as I'm able to write. And that doesn't mean it'll get necessarily finished but in one year, but it's a goal. 
This one's well, going to take longer than a year, I can tell already. But. Well, as you were explaining this the amazing food that you created, you were pairing up the wines, you know, and we don't have cookbooks out there that have the pairing, like, you know, the food with the wines and, and you know. and Maybe I could throw in a tea with dessert. Right? A tea or you could throw in a little poem, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wants to propose. This is the meal to cook with the, this wine, this champagne. Congratulations! Here's your poem. You know, uh, there's so much that we can do, right? We can open those doors and create. Like, uh, I think a cookbook would be amazing because then I could taste some of your food since you're so far away. I could buy a cookbook and I could try and make it like you. So, Linda, would you like to leave a special message to? the special education first and then mental health, because you, you had mentioned mental health. I, I just want to get some really good points out there. Um, since being a teacher in that, and you, you worked in the field for so long, what message do you have for everybody out there? Uh, in regards to special education, I guess I would summarize by saying um, that as I alluded to earlier in my story, that each of us is special. And uh, I don't think we should separate them into a different group, but I also think including people with a lot of challenges that need support into a classroom without them is also a recipe for disaster. And it doesn't benefit anyone, the person with the challenges or the people who supposedly don't because everyone needs to be heard, even that quiet little student who does all his work. And if the teacher is too inundated with all of the bigger things that require, like you were saying with your student with, with Down syndrome and getting agitated, you know, that you have to manage that first. So there needs to be more awareness. There needs to be more support towards special education. And by that, I mean, integrating with resources. And that means extra people, extra education, um, extra tools in the classroom, like uh, ability to write stories, um, through microphones if they are unable to write or vice versa if they don't have speech to have someone record for them and all these kinds of ways of helping people who have obstacles towards realizing their potential we will all benefit by supporting that so I think that's important for people in the field to advocate for and for parents to support and understand it's not just about reading and math. Those are important. As I say, you don't want to sacrifice the education. It's absolutely important. But you want to make it accessible to everyone and you want to integrate so that people don't feel separate and isolated and different. And what's wrong with me? I'm special. Instead of I am special. You know, it's different. It's a different quality to that. And what message would you have for mental health? And for mental health, I think the thing that stands out for me in my experience is that there is so much stigma as if it's like a slight on their personality or their character. And because sometimes when you have mental health challenges that aren't being treated well or managed well, you can behave in ways that aren't appropriate or respectful to other people but to say it's your fault any more than when the child who has a seizure or has any other uh condition that impedes their ability 
you, you should not put it on the person. And it doesn't mean you don't have to take responsibility. But how can you take responsibility if no one's offering you the opportunity? If, if you can't access, if you don't even know that services exist, and then you can't access them because it's $120 an hour for a therapist. And then meanwhile, society is washing their hands of you. And you're alone and you there's so much aloneness where people are not only just a little nuclear family instead of a village raising a child, but so much single parenting because one of the parents is dropping the ball for whatever reason. And maybe there's a, a room for a compassion, but in the meantime, here's this little one. And again, we just sort of leave it to them to resolve. And I really feel that whether it's mental health, whether it's um, a learning challenge, whether it's opportunities that you don't have because of your background, we need to support one another much better than we are to access the things that we need to reach our potential. And with mental health, I do think there are ways to uh, deal with it and manage it effectively whether it's through medication, whether it's through therapies that are uh, things like art therapy, yoga therapy, talk therapy. There's so many different ways to address it. And you find the one that works for your unique self, as we talked about the authenticity. But, you know, it has to be within reason of price point as well, or else you're excluding. And uh, I feel, I know it's a lot to chew, when you look at it and think, where's the money coming from that? And the government's already in debt. But I think there's ways to redistribute wealth from resources more equally. And doesn't the Earth's resources belong to all of us? Right. As members of the planet, right? So let's right. share. Do some people really need $30 billion that they can't spend in their lifetime? Now, some people are amazing philanthropists and share and, and do great work. And others are not. And I don't disagree around free enterprise and, and the right to your own independence. But that's assuming you're starting from an equal playing field and we aren't. So that's being naive about the reality of life. I'm fortunate. I was born in Canada where, you know, we are strong and free for the most part. But other people through a roll of the dice are born somewhere else. Whenever I get really heavy with feeling all of this, though, Liz, I like to take a step back, take a deep breath, and remind myself I can trust in life. It's unfolding exactly as it should, and I don't need to get myself in a knot. I can just keep putting one foot in front of the other, standing up, being my best every day, and that is enough. If we all do that, we'll find our way somehow together, I think. And I, want to, I really want to thank you, Linda, for sharing that. You know, this tea time has been a really strong tea. It's been a very, very emotional tea with a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, a lot of good information, a lot of good resources. I really want, when you're listening to this tea time, listen to it. it listen to it a few times because there's a message in the different moments. Uh, Linda, I really enjoyed this tea time with you. Uh, 
we got so much in common, so much that resonates, and I really enjoyed my time with you. Um, so if anybody would like to grab your book before we wrap up, where can they grab your book? Because your book just came out on the 23rd, so we want to get that book out there. It did. It's Thank you so much. I do want people to read this book because I think it's quite inspiring. And uh, it talks about all these things we've been discussing in a unique story of Isabella Ricci. And um, it's available. You can go on my website and all the links are there under my books. Or you can go directly to Amazon, Chapters, Indigo or Barnes & Noble. It's available on all those great retailers online. You can get it delivered right to your door. And you just if you put in Linda Faye Schmidt, uh, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on social media. You can connect some way. And I'm just like you, Liz. I love to hear from people. I love to share stories and ideas and engage. So that's the best way. Drop me a line. You can sign up to email, uh, receive a blog every month or whatever suits you. Follow your voice. What was good to you. Well, thank you so much, Linda. It was an honor to have you here. And I want to give a special shout out to OC Publishing and O'Connors for giving this incredible guest to me today to share and share her and spill her tea. You know, the teachers telling emotions, embrace and authenticity. So you just never know what kind of teas you're getting when you come to Tea Time with Miss Liz. <laughs> so again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And if you're watching the replay, please push hashtag replay and let me know where you're tuning in from so I can give you a shout out as well. And I will see everybody back at 7 p.m. for the last Tea Time of April. And then we're jumping into May. We're already going into May. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and I'll be joined with Claudia Brum, and she'll be coming in with holistic healing. So we're going to be doing a lot of teaching today. This morning we had a history. Today we have special education and emotions and personal, personal healing, I think, personal envision. And tonight we're going to be channeling. So we're going to do a lot, a lot of deep, deep education tonight on Tea Time. So again, you're going to sleep well. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I always sleep good. Fridays are my day to rest. So anybody wants to reach Miss Liz, Fridays are off. <laughs> Catch me on Saturday or Sunday or the rest of the next week. But Fridays are my day off. So I want to thank you, Linda, for joining me on Tea Time. Right. And thank you to all the viewers and supporters thank of you. Tea Time. And I will see you all at 7 p.m. Linda, don't leave my bulk, just close the light.